0: This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. <laughs> and welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. RFK Refugees Podcast special live edition of the RFK Refugees Podcast. So I guess if we keep doing live shows, it starts becoming special, doesn't it, John?
1: Yeah, then it just becomes the regular live edition. With you know, I think we're going to keep doing this. This is uh, yeah. it's called working smart, not working hard. That's what we're yeah. all about here. Live, we we I we don't have to do much editing. I don't have to do a whole lot
0: of editing, which is nice. And we got the number right here, which you can call us 703 eight seven nine 4844 I have solved the issue about the annoying ringing when people call in so that that issue has resolved progress. progress progress being made I can now also do a little bit more control on the monitoring and everything so I don't have to be like doing a lot of crazy things with my other computer so yeah progress we're, we're, we're learning this new fangled technology that we have
1: Ted is that laptop plugged in the laptop, both laptops are. Plugged. Everything is plugged in. We Everything are, is plugged we are, in. We are. We are like we're 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 smashing the bugs each 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 time it goes along. We're gonna get one out. Of it. I mean, we're just gonna get we're just gonna get better and better with this technology as as
0: things go on. So, uh, let's talk let's talk uh let's talk soccer. Uh, John, how you doing, man? How how was the, you did a lot of soccering this weekend, didn't you?
1: I did. I, I did. Two thirds as much soccering as Jason Anderson, so uh, I was not that hardcore. I did not go to the Spirit game. I was there in spirit, but I was actually in person there at Segra Field and at RFK at RFK at Audi Field. I'm just gonna keep going RFK, new RFK. Um, yeah, it was a lot of soccer. Uh, what do you, you want to start? Want to start? You didn't? Did you? you I, I think you watched some of the live game, right? Because you were. I know you were tweeting about it. Uh, I did watch a little bit of it. I was hanging out with family a lot this weekend, um,
0: so I, I did watch a little bit of the game. Um, field looked nice, uh, even though it is obviously field turf, which is a little disappointing. But still, uh, still, it, I mean,
1: it looked like a fun atmosphere. A lot of people there it was uh, it
0: was a, pretty much a sellout, and they got and they got an entertaining game out of it. So
1: yeah, so Segra Field, I will give you a little my little my little brief stadium uh, you know travel guide. So uh, I've not been to Loudon that often. I think maybe i passed through it. I think maybe I've gone to some wineries in it, but not really a place that I didn't like go hang out. Cause it's really, really far away. Um, it's on, it's right next to the jail, which everyone knew already. Uh, additionally you are on like a little tiny two lane road that comes up to the stadium. There's only one way to get into the parking, like the parking area and it's one little small road. And basically everyone just walks across it, uh, to get into the stadium. So the amount of times you're stopping for pedestrians like every five seconds. So that's a, interesting little design quirk um you get there there's no at at the, at the moment there's no uh, facilities permanent for food there's no facilities permanent for bathroom which is more of a problem than not being permanent for food um it's actually kind of cool to have the food trucks like they're just they're basically encircled the stadium as if they were little food stands except for they are food <laughs> trucks um i made a mistake oh. and went for We'll we got a call in already. Already, so they never let is. me talk. it's always when I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to RFK Refugees. Who is this? RFK
2: Refugees. This is RP Kirtland calling from the great state of California.
0: RP, how you doing, my friend? Good, good. Long time no talk. I know, I know, man. How you been, man? How what? What's on your mind? Go ahead, take it away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you the floor.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I want everybody to just uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy that we saw one of these seminal DC United games that we're all going to talk about in five, ten years. I'm putting this one right on the memory shows next to so that Montreal game. We got outshot 25 to one and <laughs> won on a Chris Waltz goal in the 12th minute or whatever it was. Uh, this was peak. Vintage Benny Ball, but for some reason it didn't fill me with as much dread as, you know, from 2012 to 2018 did. Well, uh, pretty excited for this team next year. Uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of grit in the best way, but uh, uh, damn. Yeah, this one's going in the Olsen Hall of Fame.
0: So wait, are you giving up on the team this year? You, you already said next year, man. We, we still got eight more games left in the season and, and possibly oh, yeah. a playoff oh, yeah. game.
2: No, this, this was more of a, uh, you know, we saw the team without Rooney, we saw the team without Lucho. I think Ulises Segura really needs to be given a shout-out. Um, phenomenal work, both uh, defensively and that flick over the top to Ariolo is just way too nice.
0: Yeah, t- talk about a player who, like, everybody just, like, re- everybody dislikes him, and yet he's probably produced the most offense of any player uh, in D C United's lineup at this point. I mean true true truth be told, him and Areola have been like the only guys who have actually done anything. So uh, and, and we're all loving the we're all loving the Quincy the Quincy and Mariqua show.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody
0: forgets, you know,
2: those first couple games, uh that Segura and Moreno were signed. I, I remember a lot of vocal DCU fans saying, uh, these guys were trash. We went back to the well of time and cast offs and they weren't any good, and, and now I think they're both really serviceable pieces for this team.
1: RP, you didn't happen to listen to this show last year by any chance, did you? Maybe around the time that they got signed? I'm just curious. If you're a new listener, that'd be great, because if you can't check us on that, Ooh. that would be fantastic.
0: R-RP, RP's been a long-time long listener. Uh, can you still hear us, RP? RP can't hear me talk. Yeah, yeah
3: I think I broke up there for a uh, minute. Okay, sorry. RP,
1: can you hear me talk? Say Say yes if you can hear me talk. He can't hear me talk. That's going to be a slight problem. Yeah, that is going to be a problem.
0: Um, sorry, apparently, you no know, one. uh RP, you cannot hear John. So that's.
2: Oh, no, I'm back. John, try me again.
1: <laughs> so for the third time, RP, can you hear me?
2: Nope, I can't hear John.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. All right, we're going to let you go, John. But uh, RP, whew, John, All right, we're going to let you go, RP. I wish I could let go of John. Uh, we're going to let you go, RP. But thanks for calling in, man.
2: Hey, thanks, guys. Great podcast. Keep it up.
0: We'll do. We'll do. All right, we're gonna hopefully hopefully that's not a uh,
1: continuum um, thing that happens. You'll, you'll just have to you'll just have to pass along my questions like we're playing telephone, but it'll be recorded. That yeah. will be but not bad at all. Yeah. Um, go ahead. So anyway, so just as as is our style, I'll go back to what I was talking about. Uh, so Segra Field, uh, the seats are expensive. I don't know if you if you happen to go uh, check check seats out. Fifteen dollars for bleachers on the end, but then after that, it's basically like thirty and forty bucks a seat. Up to 60, up to 75 for USL soccer. So, um, I don't know if that's going to, I mean, that is the highest median income uh, in the by county in the country. So maybe if any county can support these sort of ridiculous prices, it's them. Uh, but I, I don't, <laughs> for most people, I don't think that's going to, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people driving to Loudoun to pay for that. I know that I happen to have gotten a deal, that's why I went. Um, the rest of the stadium is, if you saw the Twitter account, they have, the, the Tiny Tron, the mini, the mini uh video board that's on a little like little stand. I think that's one of the things that are potentially going to be replaced next year. Uh, the camera guy is on a scissor lift right behind the bench, right behind the upper deck. So basically people just can walk flat across him all the time, which is probably pretty hilarious to watch and pretty frustrating to watch when you're watching ESPN plus. <laughs> um, as for the game, it was it was kind of interesting. Gordon Wilde had a great first half. I I was excited to see him play. Uh, Kyle, a lot of players. Kyle Murphy and uh, and uh, and Gordon Wilde were really making a lot of forward runs, and it seemed as if the midfield was coached to keep the ball a lot and not try to make sort of those aggressive long ball passes or sort of try to cut across the defense. Uh, the first half was kind of a dud, if I recall correctly, and then it all all the scoring broke loose in the second half. I think maybe once the sun went down and it was a little bit cooler, uh, that also in, that also the second half also brought uh, Griffin Yao into the game. Uh, it also brought, uh, there were, other, there were some other subs too, as well, uh, for, for Loudon. I'm sorry. Now it's been a few days, but basically the, the the overall takeaway is that it was really, really fun to watch soccer defense was horrible on both teams. Just like just dreadful. So again, I think it's kind of cool to go see low stakes or no stakes soccer. If you're a DC United fan, you don't really care how it's going to go. You don't really care if they win or lose. It's nice if they win. If they don't, it's just, can they be exciting and compel me for a while? And this team, if they're not gonna play defense and they're gonna keep scoring, like go see these games because that is at least fun, if nothing else. Uh, absolutely. And uh I think we uh I, I it looked to me
0: like it was just kinda like it's just a place where you go to watch soccer. I think they're gonna do some other building around it, it sounds like. Uh, but it looks like a place that can grow and expand too, which is nice to see. Um and they apparently have better food options from what you from what you said.
1: <laughs> yeah, I made a mistake there and uh got the uh like the pork and what was it? It was like pork and mac and cheese and onion straws, which sounded great. That's like right up my alley in many different ways. Uh unfortunately it did not taste well and or agree with me. I walked past the Salvadoran stand after that. Then I walked past a Jamaican truck. Then I walked past another place that had wings. Like I was like I got really scared and quickly uh bought food when I walked in the door instead of, you know, do case the joint and see what that was actually there. It was my mistake. But yeah, um, check it out. It's go see it. It's gonna be a long if you're driving from DC, it is a haul and a half. Prepare for <laughs> that. If it's a week go for a weekend. Like they're playing on Wednesday night. If you're coming to that game from DC after work, I you know, you're a crazy person and I respect you for being that crazy. Or or if you're coming from Richmond or something like that. Oh yeah, a, that that's just <laughs> right on out of there. That's just right all the way out. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, but let's. Uh, a lot of people want to get into the main event uh, that we're going to talk about, which is DC United's two-one victory over uh, LA Galaxy. Speaking of game, speaking of games that are the exact opposite of low stakes and low <laughs> intensity, uh, DC United. Uh, yeah, man, what what uh, classic vintage Benny Ball with maybe some better players? I'm going to go ahead and say um, no Rooney, uh, Acosta on the bench. It, it very much seemed to me that like the world was just trying not to have Acosta on the bench. And Ben Olsen was just like, no, he is sitting on the bench. Like, it's like you, you have, uh, you have um, Ola Kamara's, uh, you know, visa issues still not going through. Apparently it has now gone through. So he's eligible for next Saturday. You have, then you have Rooney getting sick. And like, I'm sure if both those players have been healthy, it would have probably been Rooney in Acosta spot and Kamara in, in the starting striker role. Um, and, You know, I guess, unfortunately or fortunately, it wasn't that because, you know, who knows what would have happened in that type of game. Uh, But DC goes out and gets a 2-1 victory, a a gutsy, Benny Ball classic. I mean, it was like it was like watching like DC in like 2012 again. It was just like, how are they winning these games? This doesn't make any sense. But for somehow they're winning it. Um, John, you were live there in person. Uh, Give me some of your thoughts on that game.
1: Yeah, so I think like everyone else, I saw that lineup and peed my pants and yeah. said, "What are What are we about to witness?" Well, after After the last game that we witnessed against Philadelphia, like what half God wrought to to bring us this lineup against this against LA Galaxy? When you looked at their lineup and you are like, "This team is more stacked than I remember them being," and they're and they're pretty stacked. Uh, I, I Jalen Robinson was a concern for me. Uh, Jalen Robinson, if you've been a you know longtime listener of the pod he has about one or two good games a year where he's like best 11 of the week, team, team of the week. And then, uh, and then not anymore. He does, these had, he's had this like three or four years. He hasn't had one of those this year. He's just been pretty mediocre to bad. Uh, so hence my concern. Uh, Felipe Martin's got to start coming off the bus, having maybe, may, hopefully remembered everyone's name. Uh, <laughs> no guarantee that, that he actually had. And then the Quincy thing, which, you know, we we've seen him in in short bursts 10 minutes really most of the time we've seen him longer on friendlies us open cup games i believe um he used to play like full games for other teams and uh, i'll be honest the only thing i remember of him on those in those on those teams is him scoring i don't remember like the, the style he played um he was an effective hold up guy for being i think probably shorter than me i don't know if he's i don't know if he's i think he's probably shorter than 5'11 maybe he's not um that's a height brag. I'm eleven. <laughs> it's probably shorter than me. Um, so he uh, he was he was he was tr- he was playing back to goal, stopping the ball, def- flip, you know, you know, deflecting the ball onward for runners. Uh, there was one pass, I believe. I, I'm seventy five percent sure it was him. He one timed it out of the air from a goal kick to the left to the right wing. To on rushing, uh, was that was that him or was that somebody? I don't remember right now, but it was. I remember, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was him. And I remember at the time, like yelling, like, "What? Why are you doing that? Like, there's you could you had you know, there's no one around you. You could take it down." And he's like, "No, no, I got the sauce. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna flip this over." And it, it actually worked. Nothing resulted of it, but I was like, "This guy is feeling himself tonight." <laughs> and yeah. then RP brought up his Segura too, who we've definitely got to talk about. Him now. Yeah, we definitely got to talk about him. An absolutely
0: unbelievable ball for for Ariel's goal, but like. I want to sort of contrast – it's not a fair contrast between, like, Quincy Ameriqua and and Luciano Acosta at this point in the season. Here's a guy in Quincy who came in, his first start, I think. I don't think he started any game uh, this season, at least not one I can remember. It might have been one, you know, maybe you know late back in the middle of the season. Um, he, he, here he is. He, he gets this one of his first starts. And he, he has played almost every time he does, you know, he's not, you know, trying out there to prove himself. He's not trying out there to try, you know, he tries what he can do, but he knows his role. He knows his responsibility and he executes it. I mean, he, he, his role was to make runs, keep the LA defense honest. And really I think it allowed the team, it allowed the pressure to not be on uh, Ariola or Rodriguez it allowed them to find spaces uh, he's not some guy who, who's going to show up on the score sheet. He, might, I think, he might have gotten like a secondary assist on sort of his header, but him sort of making those types of plays is what has uh, basically, I think, helped win us that game. And also, you know, his little antics with the with the the crybaby face to Alvarez, which was just so perfect, by the way, just like yep. unbelievably amazing. But he knew his role, he knew his responsibility, and he executed it. And I contrast that with Acosta, and what I've seen from Acosta is a guy who is trying so hard, so hard to get to to get to Europe, to get somewhere else, to get, you know, to advance his career. And he's trying to do everything himself in a lot of cases instead of trying to play the game. And I think, honestly, I think Ben Olsen just got tired of it and said, Nope, you're gonna sit on the bench now, and we're gonna we're gonna play a team out there, and and I'm gonna show you that. We can win games without you. You don't have to be on this field. You have to earn your way onto this field. Um and if if I'm talking about a player I want back and a player I don't want back, right now I want Quincy Ameriqua back. I don't want Luciano Costa back. You know, I heard he kind of just went straight to the locker room, didn't, you know, spend time with the fans. I mean, to me it's just it, it's it's the act of uh, it's the act of a player I think that we all knew he had this ability where he definitely he, he I don't want to call him a selfish player, even though his actions of late kind of make me think he's acting a little bit selfishly. But he's definitely a player who is very much like, you know, ball things don't go his way. He's going to let you know. You know, there's the time he gets subbed off when they're up three to nothing. And he's like pointing at the clock like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Ben? You know that those types of actions and those types of um, um, really juvenile actions, you don't see that from Quincy Ameriqua. You see a guy who's committed to the team and, and wants the team to win, whether he's on the field or not. So,
1: um, tons of respect for for Quincy and what he brought to this game. Yeah, you know you know where I So the the, the Luciano Acosta. Apologists. You, you are gonna yeah, you're no. gonna live and die on the Lucho Costa apologists. <laughs> yeah. That and me and Jared Jeffrey. Those are the those are my things. Those are my brands. So do I want would I want Lucho back? I, I would want Lucho back. If you could if you could uh, secure him to a contract and motivate him sufficiently, which I don't know if you can do yet. Maybe you can't do, maybe it's not possible. Um, there are a lot of people, I think, I think you, I think a lot of people on Twitter are saying, I'm done with, I'm done with Lucho. I don't need to see him anymore. He doesn't need to be on the field for the next eight games. I feel like we, for me personally, I'm looking at these games ahead. I'm looking at the rest of this bench still. We've added some pieces. Uh, one of them played, played 90 minutes. Uh, Ola Kamara likely to start doing that. Emma Boateng, I'm not really sure I'd see as a starter for this team. Certainly not as far as not 90 minutes. Yeah, have a call coming in. We got to stop that.
0: <laughs> oh, hold on. No. Nope. Awesome. Yep. Call back in, call back in. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I, I'm, I, it, I wasn't looking at the screen. I'm trying to do my best. Multiple things. Please call back in. I think it was an 804 number. So please, please feel free to call back in. Probably, probably one of my Richmond
1: people. So <laughs> you, you get the call in. So anyway, uh, I'll, I'll speak until interrupted. The, uh, I, I feel like you can't, you cannot put, Uh, the talent, the potential talent that he has and just throw it away, particularly if you're trying to make the playoffs. There was someone in the, there was someone in the chat room saying, can we talk about how this lineup, which uh, Joel Merchant said, can we talk about how this lineup, which played great really could have shown up weeks ago and Ben didn't put them on the field for some reason. If you looked at that lineup and said, we're going to win before the game against that galaxy team, you were deluding yourself. No one thought that. We all were like, Hey guys. Hey, uh, this is RQ refugees. How can we help you
0: today?
3: Hey, it's uh, JC.
0: How's it going? Hey, man. What's going on? How, y- how you been, man? Welcome welcome to calling in back. W- what's on your mind? Go, ahead. You have the floor.
3: Well, uh, I feel like uh, in, on the subject of a Costa, um, I think both of you guys are right. Um, I mean, it is possible for a player to try hard, but he is not a perfect player. Um, he complains a lot, falls on the ground very easily. He's, a, he's your typical... South American uh, type of player that is all about being flashy and all about being himself and and when the team doesn't work around him and or the tactics don't work out he gets phased out. Um, but he, we all know the abilities that he brings to the table, and it's Ben's job to utilize them correctly, uh, which I don't think has been working out. <laughs>
0: I guess I would agree with you to a certain sense that he's a, he's a very talented player, but I I'm just seeing what he looks like when he's out on that field. Um, and what he looks like and, and everything it's, it's, it, I just, I just don't based on what I've seen this season. I don't think, uh, it's going to be, uh, I, I just don't think it's going to be useful. I, I don't, I don't see a player who's involved in and, and entrenched. And for what we saw with Rooney, um, I, in the midfield, in his position, basically, I'm ready to see that over over Luciano Acosta at this point. Can you hear me? Can oh, yeah, you hear me?
3: Um, And then okay. we you can also look at Titi, who plays the, the exact same position that Lucho does, and you don't see him rolling on the floor, uh, calling for fouls that shouldn't be, that aren't really fouls and um, that type of player. Uh, Titi is more of a Ben. Uh, Olsen type player you know puts in the work puts in the shift keeps his mouth shut uh takes the hits where he needs to but he's going to put in a hard-working shift um so uh that's that's my look on the hill situation at this point i I don't think anyone is really going to care if we lose him for free Uh, i think everyone kind of just wants him gone and open up the dp space uh is he a dp player Pretty
0: sure he is. Yeah, I'm. I TT uh, uh, is a DP player, so I don't know whether we really saw much out of him in this game. Uh, uh, Josie, before we let you go, um, I'm going to ask. Uh, I'm going to ask my co-host here to speak, and I want to tell if you can hear me to see if the, if I fix what was wrong.
1: Can you hear me now? Sure. Can you hear John? Like like I said, no, like not. How about now? Talk to me now. No, no, no,
4: no. Nope. You can't hear me. Okay.
1: Oh, I'll just never get to talk to the listeners. That's <laughs> fine. No problem. John probably, uh, John probably appreciates that. All right. Thanks so much, Jesse. <laughs> Let's
0: catch you there. <laughs> yeah. Have a good night, guys. You Bye-bye. Bye. too. bye All right. I'm going to work on, I'm going to, I'm going to like close up the lines a little bit. Um, and I'm going to work on something real okay. quick. I'm going to go back to what we were doing earlier with. Okay. So, but um,
1: yeah, I'll finish my thought while you, while you, uh, while you take support on the fly. Um, so, uh, the caller just said that I think we all are ready for uh, Lucha to go. I, 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 not all of us, at least only well, maybe fifty percent of this podcast and maybe eighty percent of Twitter uh, would would agree with that. Um, I, I do think that uh, he the, the the walking off the field and complaining thing and not going to celebrate thing is dumb. I, I, I would wash my hands of that. That's fine. It's not. It's not a huge deal. It's a. It's a dumb mistake. It's a little petulant. I don't really care if he throws himself on the ground. I don't really care if he tries to get a foul because he was playing that way in 2018. A lot of, a lot of the times it, we wouldn't have a problem with it then. There just were no results. Um, I, and and like I was just trying to say before about the, uh, the, the lineup, we should have played this lineup a long time ago and Quincy should have started forever ago. That is, that is very much looking at the uh, results after the fact and, and justifying the, 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 the uh, you know the thing that got you there there's just no way um, Quincy Mairquat played fantastic i don't want to play that i don't want to underplay that he had more he had more fire and aggression than me, more most forwards that we've ever seen play probably more than Wayne definitely more than Wayne i'm not going to front with that he was he was 100% effort the whole time on defense his guarding of Ibrahimovic in the, on on set pieces was amazing uh, he played great He played great, uh, you know, post-up play, fantastic hold-up play. Um, Didn't really get himself many shots. I don't think that was really the the part he was focused on. He was trying to do other things. Um, But really, like you say, I think we need to see him back next year. Imagine him as your third forward, right? Because you're going to have Ola Kamara. I guess you'll have – Wayne's gone, so I I don't necessarily think – We got a uh, 571 calling in, so let's take
0: that call. Hello, welcome to RFK Refugees. How can we help you?
5: Hey, it's uh, Jason. Man, I was uh, sitting with the Acosta family during the uh, the game, so I got to see a little bit of the uh, sort of like the halftime uh, version, uh, and then of course the you know the action afterwards. I didn't get to see it as much, but uh, you know he was he was pretty much uh, pretty normal and uh, came over, you know, said hi to the baby, and basically uh, you know essentially was on his game. And I think what happened, and I think you guys might agree. In. I think he was taking some punishment and I think because of Benny ball uh, you know I think we stuck with the the starting and we didn't swap anybody out we didn't do any subs uh, which is typical Ben <laughs> and essentially we just kept going uh, with what was working you know working being you know I think we got lucky we got another you know Benny ball result where essentially you know we took how many shots to the face at Bill Hamid and got lucky but essentially, you know, you know, it paid off. Uh, I think you earlier you said something about TT, and, of course, TT's girlfriend was there or I think it was Hara's, you know. They're, so they're all in the lines, the entire Argentinian section there over 118, essentially sitting there and watching the game. And, you know, they're all rooting. They're all, you know, they're all very active, you know, participating in the rooting for the team. And halftime, he comes over and everything's great. And then, you know, I hear after the game, uh, we went by him and, you know, scooted by him. And then we're hearing about, you know, not celebrating with the team and things of that nature. So I'm just wondering if you guys think that, you know, maybe he, you know, was getting a little bit of a pine treatment, but then expected maybe to be brought in or, you know, saw the game developing and didn't like how it was going and thought we were going to lose. And, you know, I think it's right. He saw that we could win without him. And I think that that's important. But I also think it was Ben, you know, being Ben. And, you know, he's going to just sit on the side and watch things develop and be Mr. Cool and Calm and not actually make a sub. And I I think that that was a little bit disappointing probably to Lucho. And I think that's why we saw
2: that.
4: So
5: I don't know. I think it's a lesson that he's going to have to learn, you know, throughout his career that I think exactly what you guys said. You know, he he does get very frustrated. I see him throw up his hands a lot. Um, So I think that that's part of it. Uh, and he just has never learned that, you know, through the downtimes. And, you know, D.C. United's had plenty of downtimes for him to see that and to learn from it. You know, he gets senior Wayne, he gets brought back. But I think he is the player that he is, has always been, has been literally a little frustrated. And as soon as he gets frustrated, you know, he, he wasn't running around very, you know, he wasn't given that, you know, that full charge in the training, you know, for the practice. Uh, so you know he, he does have his bad moments too. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I you know I'm not seeing that he's just completely fed up and ready to go. It just didn't look like that from the sidelines uh, early on in the game. So
0: yeah, um, we'll take your question. I think uh, off the air, but thanks for calling in, man.
1: Bye, right, buddy. Yep. Bye. bye. I like this caller.
0: Yes, I, I, I like
1: this. I like this measured and calm caller. Yes, I think that, there's a lot to that. I think if we were down, I think if we were down two one, we would have seen Acosta. I think the way the game was shaping up and the ta- the way the tactics were – the team was defending well as a block, as a low block, very compactly. Uh, the midfield was playing well. He and he said it after the game. He's like, you know, familiarity, I wanted to go with that over fresh legs. And having Acosta come in as a sub in a new role potentially because of the, the formation. We have another call. Ted's making a face like we're about to, we no, might, we'll to get another call. No, guy.
0: we have really another call. Patrick McGill's been really trying to get in. I feel really bad because he got beat on that on that last caller. Uh, but I think we're we're gonna get a guest in, Patrick. So if you could just hold off till till that guest comes in, and we'll get you in. We promise. We this promise. is our
1: way to keep people listening to the shows by uh, pulling pulling the call out from under them over and over again. But yeah, I, I think that I think that that's why he didn't get in. I I don't think that this was uh, similar to the idea that people are thinking that Wayne left because DC United was not um, you know aggressive enough in player acquisition, or it's not that he wanted to go home because his family. And if we're looking at why Ben didn't play Lucho, uh, why didn't he bring him as a sub, it was because the game at his in his mind didn't call for it. It wasn't like a big disciplinary function. Now, if in the postgame section he postgame session he said, you know, that's why I did it. Like if he made a big stink about this and be like, We're not gonna give Lucho Acosta a free platform to find his next team because that doesn't benefit us, that would be one thing. He didn't say that. He didn't say anything like that. We'll see as that's why I was saying we need to watch this situation as it develops. If he kept, if he if he has kept off the field every game, what is what, what you know? How does he act? Does he does he is he a good citizen? Does he play good soldier or was this a one game thing and we're going to see him back uh, in Vancouver? I think that's that's the thing that'll. If if he's back on the field of Vancouver, then we know that it's situation normal. We just had a we just had a lineup change that was necessary, or maybe this just one game he wanted to make a statement. We'll see, we'll see. We absolutely see. Now we're going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to try to get Travis Clark on the line remember um, he probably can hear me.
4: Yeah, we'll see.
1: Travis, we want to check someone. Can you hear John? John, talk, please. Travis, I'm going to say something. Say say you can hear me. I can hear you. Oh, beautiful. Oh, yes.
4: So, yeah, fixed I fixed it. Wonderful. fixed
1: it. I'm a magic you did
0: it. Um, Travis, how are you doing, my friend?
4: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good, good. Uh, wonder if you could – Uh, do you have a chance uh, – to watch the uh, the DCLA game. wonder if you can give me, you know, you, you've been around the team, you, you've covered the league. What did you make of, of Lucho Acosta sort of being benched uh, for that game and also not even coming in as a sub?
4: Well, I mean, I think the fact that Olsen didn't use any subs is surprising, but not too shocking, I guess. Yeah. But if you're protecting a lead, he's not the kind of person you're going to put on. But if I bet it's down a goal, then maybe you'd see him. Make that sub right because it all kind of depends on the game state and for whatever reason Olson thought that was the right decision to make at the time.
1: Travis, it's like you were listening to the show five minutes ago and heard me say exactly that. So I'm glad that we're in lockstep on that utilization question. Do you see uh, overall? So the, the decision to keep him out initially, though, uh, without sort of without the context of any sort of quotes or or anything else, do you think that was not necessarily disciplinary, but philosophical about the lineup or was it about maybe saying we need to see what else we've got here or, and, and going forward now, not, not necessarily how he was utilized in this game, but I I would imagine he starts next game. I don't think he's permanently on ice. Whereas some of the fans seem to think that this is the beginning of the end and he's just going to sit on the bench for the rest of the year and maybe make some sub appearances. What's your, what's your intuition tell you?
4: You know, it's a difficult one because when you see players at the end of their last sort of, Last few months of their contract, there can be, uh, you know, I mean, he could sign a pre-contract now. I believe
2: mm-hmm.
4: if he does that, then maybe it changes things up. But I think you, know, you you need one of your best stacking players to get his mind right to get to contribute in order to actually make it to the playoffs. So even if we're not going to see the same kind of efficiency from Wayne Rooney and Nacosta, your the team's better with him on the field. One would think, mm-hmm. right? So he, he's got to get some minutes, and he's got to start producing. I think that him not starting is probably just sending a message that you need to get your game in order in order to uh, help this team and help yourself. If, whether it's getting a new deal from us or getting a deal elsewhere,
0: Tra- Travis. Uh, another reason we brought you in is because you, uh, for those who don't know, Travis is is pretty much like the number one person when it comes to covering the 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 youth game um, in in the United States. Uh, DC United, of course, has uh, founded a USL two team, like many uh, MLS clubs. Where we've just been talking about it. I wonder if you can give me your sense. What, like, if you had to give a grade, like ABCDF, how would you grade sort of DC Loudoun United as sort of a from the developmental standpoint, from you know the coaching standpoint? Uh, obviously, they change coaches. Uh, I know you're not. Uh, I've heard you're not the biggest fan of. Uh, of the, their previous coach, uh, but how would you grade like Ryan Martin and, and just the team in general?
4: Well, when when you think about it, without knowing exactly the numbers and what kind of resources they're giving Martin as a head coach, which judging from the the teams that he's running out there, it's not prolific. But in in the, in the other sense, though, it, it's also not that bad of an approach because you're giving all of these 16 and 15 year old literally a 15 year old kid a chance to get minutes against professional against grown men in a faster game. So if, if we're giving them them a grade, I'm torn, right? Because the team has far exceeded my expectations when you, when you saw how hastily things were thrown together. But on the flip side, there's been some thought put into the process where you're not sticking. This is not DC United 2 playing against in front of 500 fans in Audi Field every week, right? Like home games, if last weekend is any indication, I didn't get out there. I was out of town, but the it has its own identity all while also being part of DC United if that makes sense. And that that I think is just from a aesthetic perspective from the league from the USL perspective, you have an advantage over like your Red Bulls, too, your Timbers, too. And even you, we saw the Sounders do a similar thing this year where they spun off Sounders, too. They to come up with defiance. But what really gets me is, you know, I went, went into the game against um, Louisville, with the last one they played at Audi Field, and you got that like 500 fans in that 20,000 person stadium effect. But, you know, they had, let's see, Moses Nyman came on as a sub. I think Jacob Green Green started left back, Nelson Martinez in central midfield, like a couple of academy kids, and they held their own. You know, Louisville got a red card and they actually won the game too. So it's kind of fascinating. I'm tempted to go like B minus because there's a lot of room and ways it could be better, but surprising me significantly the team has played well. They play a good, they play decent soccer and this is probably blasphemous and maybe just a little bit harsh. They play more entertaining soccer than DC United at times. <laughs> um,
1: I'm coming. I'm terms, coming down the plate.
4: <laughs> just in terms of like, you know, trying to keep the ball and attacking ideas and looking like there are, you know, patterns going on where, whereas it gets a little helter skelter out there with the, at least kind of based off of, I know part of that was the, Sort of the circumstances of the Galaxy game, but I was watching the game and I was like, the ball's just flying in the air. And it's just, you can remind, constantly reminds you of how much work can could be done, but in the league to actually try to play a little soccer. But um, that's the league being MLS that, that I'm referencing. So, and I think the final point, I know I'm, I'm waffling and rambling, but the final point is the. there's sort of like a defiance feel like the sounders team who gets like a smashed every week, but then you have this decent enough blend of like local guys, a couple of Leesburg area players, a couple of random players they signed here and there, and they're not putting a whole bunch of money behind it. And yet the team is surprisingly competitive. I don't think they're in the playoff places, but you wouldn't really expect them to be, but they're not embarrassing themselves either as you know, as I said, they beat Louisville, who's I think our back-to-back USL champions, and then, or maybe just last fall, I could be wrong. And then, you know, hung tough against uh, Charlotte Independence, I believe, in their opener. And uh, you know, you saw Mo- Moses Nyman do uh, what's his name, Zion Jones, dirty in the just outside the penalty area. And um, my worry for him then is like, will you put that kid on DC United, what, what's going to happen to him? Because it's not like they look for a ball, like look for a field, look for the feet of midfielders centrally in deeper areas. So um, I'm just hopeful that he gets a chance. And then, you know, Griffin Yao may, maybe may get some more run out as the season ends. And then uh, I think Brian Kao is probably not not for this country very long. But, uh, you know, maybe he's a guy that also gets run out there as well.
0: So what you're telling us, Travis, is you endorse Ryan Martin to take over for Ben Olsen as head coach. Is that what you're saying to us right now? That's what it sounds I, I'm like.
4: Not, I'm not. Now, now I think there's, you know, Martin has advantages that he's worked with a lot of the kids that he's putting out there. So sure. there's some trust and, um, but usually at least, I, I think it even goes back, you know, I, you said, I wasn't a fan of their first coach, but they, he even had them playing a, a little bit. So it's just, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure what the, the top down plan, if there is one, maybe there just isn't one and you just coach is kind of doing his own thing. So, um, but I think if you want to have some more cohesion, that could be a good thing just within both teams. So if one team is supposed to feed the other, then wouldn't it make sense to do that? It, uh, it would. I, yeah. I feel like
1: they're, they're, playing, they're playing with very low pressure right now. I think there was no expectations on the team. Um, yeah,
4: and- I think that's part of it too, for sure. And then you're just chucking a bunch of academy kids into the mix and saying, you know, here's the, here's the ball, good play. I mean, there's a little more than that. But um, I think at least I've been impressed – and I think also part of my positive impression is my expectations are very, 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 very low. Yeah. And not just because of the organization, but you know, the thing was thrown together so quickly at the start of the year that it, it just, it's, I felt like it was going to be a disaster. And, you know, when you compare that again, I'm, I'm bagging on the defiance here, but like, uh, you know, you see that there's teams losing and they're running out more like strictly almost all teenagers and a lot of younger kids, but you know, they're good losing four or five nil on a weekly basis, whereas this team, you know, they don't win every game, and I think they've lost more than they've won. But they're much more competitive uh, from when I was able to watch them.
1: Yeah, with very minimal investment, like you say, like Carlos Alvarez, probably like the USL lifer guy. That Cali Brown would be another example. A few, a few players, some USL guys, that sort of the you know the people that will always be made available as free agents as the as the years roll over and you grab them and they they make up some portion of your 18. But can you answer a question for me? Is Connor Presley good or am I just weird? I love the way he plays. Like he's a, a very, he's a very aggressive wingback uh, and he passes the ball very well. And he gets up and down the field really well. I saw him play in two of the friendlies for DC United and he looked extremely out of his depth. And I don't know if it was just because he was playing Marseille and he should be out of his depth, even if it's Marseille's C team or whoever was out there. Do you have any, do you have any particular feelings on him as, as a,
4: as a right back um, or, or, I think he's a player that is being converted to a right back and he's been out and he was, um, how do I say this nicely? He was a little bit all over the shop when I watched him just from a defensive positioning perspective. Like he still have, has a lot of work to cut out mm-hmm. for him. if he's going to be an effective defender because, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was like drifting, like just wasn't in line with his defenders or, you know, he was like trying to like cheat forward when, the other team had the ball and just leaving acres of space behind him that for whatever reason, just Louisville failed to punish. So, um,
1: I may be giving him a big, a big pass based on the fact that he's getting forward. I may be, uh, forgetting his transgressions because the entire back line, for the most part was, you know, was
4: lost. (laughs) They were having, uh, Charlotte was having very little problem. A bunch of USL guys starting together against a Liga team. I think that's a little unfair. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, you know he's he's someone that they saw something in him and they're giving him a chance. But uh, I'm not as optimistic as you, I guess. Right. No, well, yeah, I I think that. But again, a lot of that will depend on how he comes together defensively. If he if this is what they will see in him and think he can do that, he needs to defend a little bit.
1: Uh, last question I have for you about sort of uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation about. Um all of the USL championship sides that are MLS affiliates being moved into a different division, either USL one or USL two. And it's basically the the commissioner of USL said that as soon as we make an agreement, we'll announce this, uh, that it sounds like they're going to do something. Um, do you, do you, what do you imagine is happening? Do you really think that all of the MLS affiliated teams are going to be pushed down to USL two, or do you think that there will be some sort of medium ground where if, if you have any sort of, you know at you know if you have any sort of chance or thinking that you might actually draw more than five hundred fans a game and you have a brand identity that actually is is trying to be unique, maybe you can stay uh or what what do you think the outcome is of this of this this rejiggering they're talking about
4: yeah i'm I'm very curious because I don't think if the if I'm an m l s team and you're trying to blood youngsters or you know give players a chance for fitness or whatever then it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to then agree to basically become a reserve league because then USL League 1 is a just... I know And I know that in this hypothetical situation, you'd assume that there are some independent teams <laughs> here and there within the organization, right? So uh, I think if that's the case, then it's a little bit different. But I, you know, we've, we've seen an MLS reserve league already once and we don't need another one. So as much as I understand where the USL is coming from, they entered the agreement. And I think you get the sense that a lot of what has propped them up is this mls sort of approach. so i'm a little bit skeptical and you know you you see the way that the, the that league operates and you just have to wonder what exactly uh, yeah i'm not going to say it's in- unstable but you always just have to wonder when it comes to soccer teams in america what how long owners can deal with losses or and you, you i'm not saying every team is losing money but i can't imagine with the way some teams throw money around, in the, even in the USL Championship, how um, it's going to last a long, a long time at this rate. So I think that there's got to be some kind of middle ground where there have to be teams that have shown they can be there. You know, maybe I, I go back to the Defiance, maybe USL League one is better, but, you know, if you do that, they have like a team in Arizona and you know, part, of they, part of the thing they're pushing is this whole regional approach, travel costs less, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I think a lot of it depends on whether other teams come into the league as well and, and how things all sort together. But um, um, my guess is the USL would make a very strong push to be its own thing, even though I feel like that would make it weaker in the process while they seek to accomplish something different, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense at all.
0: I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to Richmond Kickers and forward Madison and a bunch of MLS two teams next season. That that just sounds like just perfect. No, it's not really that perfect, but
4: um, that's your idea of perfection. That that's an interesting. Uh, <laughs> if that, if that's not my idea of
0: perfection. I would much rather have independent clubs. We we've lost a lot in Richmond. I think with the you know, the Charleston battery, the, the old guard and everything like that. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. hopeful that there's going to be maybe some, you know, I, I understand you need some MLS two teams, but I'm hopeful it's not, it, it's not just going to be like four Madison folds, Lansing folds. And then suddenly it's like the Richmond kickers and a bunch of, you know, MLS two teams. So hopefully that doesn't happen.
4: Right. There's gotta be some kind of a mix. Yeah. And as, as you kind of mentioned, it's, um, there's a there's there's more history in some of these usl teams and it, whatever circumstances that can be worked around to ensure that they have some at least a little more stability then i think i think it can be good but at the same time look if you want to develop players then you're just playing mls2 teams against each other it's not going to be great and then if you're the kickers and you're getting a bunch of mls2 teams in it's uh but at the same time the way the usl league one right is right now it's it's a really weird travel setup and like, do you have a team in what, Arizona, Texas, Wisconsin, uh, yeah. South Carolina, South Georgia? So it's not like it has a, a strong enough blueprint where I feel like they they can make those kinds of declarations. That's just my take on it.
0: Well, Travis, thank you so, so much for uh, joining us. Uh, you still write for a Top Drawer, so- drawer ugh, Soccer. I cannot <laughs> talk right now. <laughs> and yes. That, that's correct. Yes. Uh, tell other people where they can find you as well.
4: So, you can follow me on Twitter at Travis M. Clark. And obviously, check out com for all your college and club soccer coverage.
0: Yes, yeah, so this man watches. Every single youth game you can probably imagine. If there's a youth soccer game going on, he is probably there. Um, even not, your... not
4: quite that much. <laughs>
0: I, I am convinced that you like
1: you have discovered cloning technology, and you can go to all these games because that, that's True. how to say it. <laughs> Don't fight the legend, Travis. Just just own it and say yes. I have eyes everywhere. I am I am that good. <laughs> yes.
4: Yes.
0: <laughs> all right, Travis. Thanks so much, man. And uh, we will catch you later. No
4: problem. Hey. Anytime, guys. Right.
0: Thanks, Travis. Thanks, Travis. Travis Clark, everybody, oh. great, uh, great guys, and I think he, I think you brought up a lot of interesting points just about how sort of you know I'd be curious to where DC falls in this thing. I mean, here they just spent you know uh, it probably I don't know if I, probably Some degree yeah, of money, yeah, some, <laughs> some money. I mean, non 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 significant amount of money to build you know Segra Fields and they get five thousand fans in the game, and then you're told by USL, oh by the way, we're sending all US you know USL teams to league to League One. Uh, you have to think they would react very poorly to that. Uh, Patrick, don't if, care. if you are still on, please, please feel free yes, to call in. Please. Uh, please feel free to call in. Uh, the line is now open for you, my friend. I, I will reject all of the callers except for you. Uh, <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to say, I've <think laughs> been very patient. You've been very patient.
1: <laughs> Loudoun fans aren't going to care if they're playing Tormenta FC. The opponent doesn't matter whatsoever. They're happy to have uh, a, a team in their county uh, in their own stadium. That's what that's what they're all about. So as far as that goes, they wouldn't mind it too much. Um, now, would DC United like having to play Tormenta uh, and Richmond Kickers instead of potentially teams that are spending a little bit more money and be more aggressive? I think that would be a. And step Patrick's step. calling, in. I almost missed it. All right, that. Patrick, get him on. I'm not going to miss him, Patrick. Oh, how are you doing, my friend? You
0: got in. I'm in. <laughs> What's up, man? What's on your mind? You you've been very patient. Uh, we appreciate it. <laughs>
6: Yeah. So, uh, I've been a fan now for about a year. Um uh, part of the, you know, DC 3.0 Audi field, uh, you know, newcomers. Um, and I just wanted to talk about last night's, uh, La Banda protest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Fire away.
6: Yeah. So, you know, I've been, you know, sitting in a bunch of different seats whenever I go to games, sometimes in the supporter section, sometimes in the middle of the field, sometimes all on the other side. And, you know, the the band, the drums, they provide so much energy to the field, the pitch. And last night, I've never seen a worse-timed, self-inflicted wound for the supporter section. And I totally understand that these guys give a lot of their heart, their soul, their time, and their money for this team. But what they did last night uh, was a disgrace. The drums were silent when we needed the energy more than ever. You know, we were on national television. This was the game of the week, United versus Galaxy. You know, it was supposed to be Rooney versus, you know, the Swedish crazy man. And we sold the game out. This was a chance for us to not only show the 20,000 fans what the D.C. United community can be at its best, but we were without Rooney. Acosta's on the bench. We got new players coming in. You know, know, the FBO brought in some real reinforcements. You know, what else did you want them to do? You have Ben going with a very aggressive new lineup, and he should be commended for last night's win. And, you know, the protest, what was it about? I don't know. It gave 10, ten different reasons on social media today. And, you know, the the, the drums went silent uh, when we needed them. And, you know, the, the chant is, our tried and true, your loyal crew. Like, you know, you, you can't sing that after pulling a stunt like that uh, when we needed to be, you know, behind these guys 110% Uh you know, this was a tough, tough time for this team, and and they needed us, and those guys let us down.
0: Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for the call, Pat. I know you waited a while for that. Um, I think you made you made some 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 good points there, and uh, and I think we will we'll let you go on that.
6: Awesome, thanks, guys.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and you know, I, I I'm not going to be somebody yeah. who's going to say you know don't you know don't protest you know don't protest. I I think there are some there are some legitimate reasons to protest what's been happening on the field and how the team's been playing. Um, and do I necessarily agree with the method of protesting? If they're protesting, you know, the fact the team signed Felipe Martins, not necessarily, but I respect their right to do that. Um, and they used a very effective way to get attention. Uh, according to some, some uh, tweets I've seen is that the DC United, uh, like uh, organization, uh, someone in the organization actually came over to see what was going
1: on, why the drums weren't playing. So um The only downside there is if if the if the uh, if their demands were basically we don't like the direction the team is going, and then the the team goes over, they'd be like, "Hey guys, what's up?" And they're like, "Hey, we don't like the direction the team's going." The staff is going to be like, "All right, (laughs) would you like us to fire Ben at halftime? What would you like us to do?"
0: Yeah, I mean, but I, I think that's kind of the that I mean, maybe not the point wasn't to to go get you know to to have been fired immediately on the field or something like that. I mean it's it's to make your your point heard that things aren't going well. Um and the team I mean responded. So hopefully, you know, the team starts playing. Hopefully this is just, you know, was a Benny ball in an emergency type situation uh, that the team was forced to play. And hopefully when they see, you know, a better product on the field and and a team that can, you know, ride into the playoffs, make a run, um the drums will be back and, you know, it it the drums really do matter in the supporter section. And these guys, a lot of the guys in there they do this for years you know they they go in there and and they probably you know they bang the drums and and they put in energy and effort more effort than i'm willing to do um there's a lot of people and and drums matter in a supporters group i mean if you have a bad drummer in a supporters group chance just die because no one is on tune everybody's not sure what's going on uh, so drums really matter um so you know i i I won't be here and say that, you know, you shouldn't protest if you feel that, you know, something isn't going well um, it, with the team, you know, whatever. You have the absolute every right to protest. Um, and we welcome any sort of counter arguments to what Pat said or anyone who agrees with him to call in. So numbers all, are. Incredible.
1: Yep. All, I, all, all the reasons that you said that that was a bad time to do national televised big, important game Um those are all the reasons, also, to do the strike. So it's, it's 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 an idea about when when can we cause the most amount of mm-hmm. impact by our statement. I, I will I will be honest with you. During the game, when I was there experiencing it, I thought it was dumb. And then I thought about it a little bit more after the fact. And I don't have to agree with the. Re- I'm not a Benny Benny out guy, right? So that's that's one thing. I think that this team did some good things in in the uh, in the transfer market. I think that the direction the team is going is not great, potentially, but also not really, you know, throw down, throw down your tools type of type of bad. I think it's just a, it's a dip that that needs to change. So I wouldn't have done that, but it was effective. People are talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It will be one thing to. I, I wish that their demands. I wish that the issue was more something that could be remedied, like actually fixed. There's nothing that can actually happen where there, people are just going to be like, okay, we're happy now. It's it's fixed. So that's that's the one downside of it. Very effective. It is very true. Without the drums, the stadium is unable to keep audible noise because of the way that it's set up. The stadium is set up with no. um uh, I can't think of the name of the guys who lead chance. What are they called? Capos? Uh, capos. Yeah, I think yeah. It's like, there's yeah. no ability. There's no ability to stand up in front of them. Keep keep chance going. We don't use the uh, the bullhorns, which I'm glad because I think that's stupid and corny, Atlanta. I'm making fun of you, um, <laughs> but without the drums, we it, you can't do anything. There were like five or six different chants going on at once in the same supporters group. It just it sounded a mess. Uh, it luckily it didn't matter. The team did fine. Like that, <laughs> and I mean, like, just I mean, the team did fine. And speaking of protests, there were a lot of there,
0: there's a lot of controversy and a, and a lot of a lot of discussion over you know, political symbols and, and having those in games. And, and in my opinion, MLS is, has completely just, uh, fumbled this whole thing. You have, you know, the whole story coming out about the the white supremacists in, in New York city, FC games. Apparently they also showed up at Atlanta again. Um, and MLS continues. And there's, there was also an incident, I think, in Seattle, um, where some white supremacists tried to gain access to a, uh, uh, tried to gain access to a um, to to a, a supporter's bar, and they were told, "No, sorry, you, we're not. We know why you're here. We're not letting you in." And there was an altercation in a fight. Um, and, and MLS is kind of silence on this, and, and thinking that they can just produce an ad. Um, and then there's situations where Atlanta's barred from bringing in a, a banner that says "End Gun Violence." I, I didn't know ending That's a political <laughs> statement. Ted. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that wanting gun violence ended is necessarily a political statement. I thought it was more of a human statement. Um, I'm pro gun violence (laughs) and and, and the nature of the idea of standing up to fascists is somehow also, we, we don't want that. Um, And, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I feel like from a business perspective, Don Garber's done a lot of good for this league, but this, this, these past few months I've been very, very concerned. He's telling you, well, I don't want to litigate someone what someone has in their head when he's asked about the white supremacist, but, you know, if you bring in an anti-fascist, you know, banner, you know, something that stands up against fascism, which I think we can all agree is fascism is bad, in case you needed an explanation for, or ending gun violence is bad, or the fact they even had a meeting about what, uh, about what, uh, Badoya said. Um, so, I mean, there's just a lot of things that are happening in this league that I, I don't really approve and I don't really agree with. So, um, hopefully, hopefully things will. Hopefully there'll be some sort of change. Um, hopefully they'll actually let in and some some actual banners. You know, wanting the end of gun violence, wanting those did get did get in. So um, I think it seems to me that there's some MLS teams that are like, yeah, sure, we we know we we can see this as a human message. And others are like, no, no, we, we have strict orders from MLS: no banners in, no political pl- politicized
1: banners. So um, th- that's my two cents on that. So it's gonna get worse before it gets better. I would wager. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only the only way to, to to regulate the speech you don't like is to either allow all of it or allow none of it, and they're going to go with allow none of it. I think that's going to be their strategy. There's just going to be no signs of any kind, if that's what it takes, because this is something they can't square. They can't figure out a way to do this perfectly. Um,
0: well, you know, well, MLS has to be careful then, because, you know, the, there is, in Europe, there is a huge, huge problem in a lot of Eastern European countries with fascism being sort of, you know arriving into games and supporters, you know, putting up like fascist related statements and you have to be very, very careful if you're going to denounce this type of, you know, say, no, no, no political speech at all. But then you're, you have a situation where, you know, white supremacist reads, Oh, here are all these white supremacist fans in New York city. Well, wow, I can go to this game and, you know, really feel what I believe. And and you're going to end up with situations that we all, that we all don't want in this league. We don't want people, you know, we we don't we don't want Green Street hooligans to come to MLS. I don't think anybody in their right minds. I, there's some people that want it, and they're and they're not very smart people. Uh, but we don't want those types of things coming. And I think when you you know if you make a strong stance saying, look, you know, anti-fascist is not it's not political. It's standing up against fascism or ending gun violence is is a human is a human right. And we and I just think you're you're also you risk alienating your audience who is also you know, looks at these things and, and agrees with these things as well. So, uh, you know, and then we talk about what happened. There was an article with uh, the Mike Pecky firing and how and this, writes an article about how millennials got him fired. And I'm like, no, he got fired because he made it. He made a homophobic statement. And you can't do that. I, you can't do that. And if Ben Olson, I, I, I love Ben to death, but if he did something like that, I would want him fired the next day. I, I would want Chad Ashton put in charge. I give me, you know, give me Leonard Pahoy coaching this team. Somebody else other than Ben Olson. So I don't know. That, that's all I got
1: to say about. It. <laughs> I'm actually glad they took their time on that. Uh, I think it's. I think it's better when they, they 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 got to the right conclusion. I think it's. I think it's good when they actually follow some sort of process on this. Um, for me, the weird part about the Petkey thing was uh, the fact that he wrote it down on a note and hand delivered it to the. For that, like that, to me, like for whatever reason, elevated it up to a notch of complete craziness, like losing your mind and saying things you shouldn't say That's you shouldn't do that. It's bad. Doing it um, on national television as a representative of, of, a, of a team and a community all bad. But then being like, I don't think I got my message across. I think I'm going to write it on this post-it note and I'm going to deliver it to them in the, in the referee's office. So he sees says-
0: it and it doesn't matter where he did, like the fact that he did it or the fact that he did it in a, in a soccer game. I, I know this isn't a big point, but Pecky, come on, man! It's the bloody League's Cup. You did not need really to get mad. all that really mad about a freaking tournament that literally you had no idea you'd be playing in until May. Uh, I'm sorry, the whole thing, it, 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 dude. Has uh, Becky clearly has some anger issues? You know, I think the team, you know, waited till the suspension ran out, then said, "Okay, sorry, Pecky, you got to go." Uh, but, I mean, it's not it's not something that would be a, a hindrance to him, you know, if he recuperates. And, you know, I believe in second chances. I think if a, if a team out there wants to give Pecky another chance, they should give him a second chance. Yep. Um, you know, and I think that was a good thing that they didn't just do it right away. And then not only does the team have to hire him, but they've got to wait, you know, two weeks or three games, you know. So they waited for that whole suspension to run out before letting him go. And they've actually been playing a lot better since he's been yep. gone. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're – we're, Weird, weird year in MLS. Just, just straight up, just weirdness all abound with this league. Um, I'm trying to think of like we, we, feel like we've bounced around a lot about the game. Um, we didn't talk about Bill Hamid. I felt like in the LA game, just absolutely, just you know, just absolutely making incredible saves. Just absolutely, just saving this team in, in several respects. How he is not still in the national team discussion, I will never know. His save on Zlatan was borderline incredible and just yep. all reflexes, too. That thing was posted in the net. I guarantee you there are 20 keepers in this league. I could think of maybe one or two who might be able to stop that. Uh, Bill Hamid is one of those. Uh, that That is a high-level class save uh, from Bill Hamid. And I, know, I think Rodriguez got the man of the match. Um, I, I didn't think Rodriguez did really anything special other yep. than, I guess, score the goal. Yep. Uh, no one did anything special offensively. Um and I want to talk about the team finally played a four man back line. So the actually while well, you talk about the team moving offensively, they looked better moving because I think they looked like they had a little bit more bite, I guess, offensively because they were playing a formation that they're actually built to play. So Ben finally, I, I was so I was so ready when I saw that you know Kamara wasn't getting his thing. Uh, you know, Rooney was out with the, I said, Oh God, here comes the three, five, the three, three, one, four, one, three man back line again. You know, Olsen's going to throw this thing out again. Uh, But he didn't, he threw out the lineup. This team was built to play uh, regardless of who's out there and it worked. So uh, hopefully this is the last time we will see the three man back line.
1: Also brilliant played excellently as well. So Uh, yeah, you stole my thunder Briant and uh, and Burnbaum both were, stalwarts the first half the amount of the amount of saves i think i counted four times brian slid to block a shot or block a pass in the 18 he looked like he was right on the the like precipice of dying most times because he was going so far all out um so that's that's the uh that the beginning of the season he had a couple of those performances in a row and we were talking about how Maybe, maybe, maybe this is, maybe we don't need to worry about a center back. And then came the midseason malaise. And then we were all ready to dump him for Donovan Pines. And then Donovan Pines had three or four pretty crappy games. And now we're back to our original, you know, our, our first love. And he, he was excellent. Um, there, I think you're right. A lot of it has to do with the formation, comfort. You know, having three out of the four regular starters in place is helpful. Um, they'll be even better once they get their defensive midfield back in front of them and Martin slides back to the bench. I thought Martins didn't have a lot to do with the game. Yeah. he really, I'd say he made a couple,
0: you know, tackles and and, and physical plays, but he really was not the impact, I guess I wanted out of this game. And, and it really like, it just wasn't, it wasn't even like, I don't even know, like, like this whole game was just, it was weird. It wasn't like the team played great or really anything special. They just were more clinical than um, than uh, la and that's really sometimes that's all that matters. Um, and you know I, I think it had to do a lot of things It had to do with Quincy being out there able to sort of make runs so defenders have to sort of account for him. Um, and I think it opened up space uh, it opened up space for uh, you know for uh, for you know for Ariola and for um and for Segura and for uh, Rodriguez. It almost makes me excited. I'm almost wondering if they, if, if Elson now has Ola Kumar in here. And he's like, I need to see what this team looks like with a true forward out there. So I'm going to put Quincy out there, and I'm going to tell Quincy, you know, to make runs, you know, you're not going to play defense. And I think if I'm him, a light bulb goes off because you, I, you know Ola Kamara is a better a – be, uh, he is. I'm sorry. He is a better player than Quincy Mariqua. So you're going to have high-end attacks. <laughs> you're going to have a high-end attack. I love Quincy. I, would love, I want him back next year, but Ola Kamara is going to be a better attacking player than he is. But you get him in there, and suddenly you have an offensive threat that teams are going to have to account for now, and it's going to open up space. One of the things I've been a little bit suspect about Rooney is Rooney has not played that true offensive power. He drops back into the midfield. He tries to create plays, but if you're not sort of that constant presence, you, you're basically telling – you're letting the defense sort of play in front of you. You're playing the ball in front of the defense, and you're not you're not making those, you know, those insightful runs that sort of keep them honest where they have to push back or they have to watch you. So um, I'm very excited with, when I saw just how well Quincy sort of held a play and just made, made LA have to be honest, even on a counter, uh, even on the counter. Um, I'm very excited for Ola Kamara to come in here and hopefully we get to see him. I don't know if he starts. I, I think we'll see, maybe we'll see Quincy out there with Rooney playing a costas role. Who knows? Uh, the D- DC is now wildly unpredictable about what this lineup is.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. All I know is I looked at Vancouver's recent record. I'm going to read you back their results as of late. Uh, Lost 3-1 to Portland. Random win 2-1 against FC Cincinnati. And now the bad times roll. 0-0 against Minnesota. Lost 2-1 against Calvary. Lost 3-1 against San Jose. Lost 4-0 against New England. Lost 3-0 against Kansas City. 0-0 again against Calvary. Lost 6-1 against LAFC. Lost 1-0 against Seattle. When's the last time they won a game? Uh May twenty fifth against FC Dallas. So not very good there, Bob. Uh this regardless of whatever I, I I think you could probably roll out this Benny Ball lineup uh away to Vancouver and probably get a result based on their form. They have they have had a hard time scoring at all and are leaking goals like a sieve. So I'm I'm ex- I'm excited to get two wins on the trot after just being just completely devoid of offensive power the last seemingly two months.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and this is, uh, this could be a moment where this team can come in because Vancouver are not a very good team. If you want to talk about, if you want to talk about a front office that has been worse than DC's uh, in, in a lot of ways. uh, And and certainly you talk about the, the bad times they, they have the ability to spend money. They have a club that's has, tremendous amounts of history that front office is is cheap as they come. And there's been a lot of frustration with them. Um, you know, again, I, I said they're if, if, as bad as DC's. I don't think DC's front office has been necessarily bad. I think they've had dealt with a lot of other issues, but I mean, the point is, is that they, they, you know, you look at DC, DC ran out of excuses with the stadium and everything like that. And they're still spending money, spending money on transfer fees. Uh, Vancouver's doing none of those things. Uh, they are, Playing as cheap as they come, they have a really nice stadium out in BC Place, uh, and I think this is a, this could be a moment. If this if this team this this was when we'll know whether this team is back and this team is a competitive team. It's crazy. They were fifth place and then they win, and suddenly they're third place again. I mean, these like I said, makes no sense. So hopefully, hope we'll see what happens.
1: I'm wearing my Mesut Otsel Germany jersey for, <laughs> for the for the Coffee Man to come potentially to play for DC United. Oh, we- also. We didn't talk about Daniel Sturridge,
0: didn't we? This I was is- just
1: about to get to Daniel Sturridge. So Daniel Sturridge is another player, apparently, as a free agent. Oh, I just saw on ESPN he has 13 offers for his services right now. Outstanding. Uh, Stephen Goff reported that the problem was not actually money with Daniel Sturridge, which would be considerable, but actually fitness. Because if you follow Daniel Sturridge at all, since he's left Chelsea, however many years ago that was, that man has a real hard hard time staying on the field and staying fit uh and the, the 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 little bits in between where he stays healthy and can perform are awesome um but they just don't i can not can you imagine paying the the premium that you would pay for him and then him being injured every four games which would just get, guarantee that would happen right yeah it would, it would be horrible i mean we all kind of thought that was what i mean we thought Wayne Rooney was going to
0: be you know come in and be injured and, and be off the field and we weren't i mean counting on Upper respiratory infections, but I mean, Wayne Rooney has opened up my eyes. I, I'm never doubting another European signing ever again. We're Whoa. Know who it is? Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. I'm going to say there's a chance they might play well. Everybody's talking about how Meza Ozil is going to be bad,
1: and I'm like, I mean, I don't. Think just, so he doesn't well. run or play defense. That's the, and he's in midfield, so that's a that's a slight problem okay. for this team. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily
0: as much of a problem if you play the two holding midfielders, but you know. It, who knows if we're even getting Mesozil? I would I would bet against us getting Me- mesodozil. Um but uh we you know, hey, also we're but we should mention by the way, a year ago today, uh, Wayne Rooney made his amazing play against Orlando. So I just thought I'd bring that up because never forget. No, never forget. That was incredible. That was absolutely incredible. Um Quincy Miraqua, if you want to call in, call in. 703. Yeah. <laughs> <him and> I, <laughs> I-, I wanna talk. I wanted to tweet him and be like, be like, can you call in, please? Like that would be incredible if you would, if you were to call in. Like that would be like a signature moment.
1: Um, we'll allow you to talk about perfect soccer for yes, <laughs> at least four to five minutes.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. So, all right. Uh, I think we're gonna. Do we want to talk a little bit of Washington Spirit to kind of close out, and we'll give a we'll give viewers uh, one more chance to call in. Um, eight uh again eight oh four eight seven nine four eight four four um so give you a chance to call in to to spread your thoughts about, about pretty much anything. Okay, the last
1: time we did this is when we got all the calls when we said we were closing. So this is a good <laughs> fake out guys. We're going to, we're going to end up here. So uh, just, you know, if we get any phone calls, whatever, maybe we'll stay on. Um, yeah. So spirit lost one to nothing against Chicago. Yeah. Um, no, uh,
0: no Mallory Pugh,
1: no uh, Mallory Pugh nursing a hip injury. Apparently um, she, they've already basically promised her to attend uh, at the DC at the audio field game. One assumes it was not a major injury that kept her off the field, uh, but that that was that. Uh, the one thing that you could say about this game is that Sam Kerr was pretty neutralized, which nobody can really say that. Uh, most of the teams can't really say that she was, she's been so dominant and has scored over a goal a game. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, one goal came in off of a cross from, I don't want to get her name, y- uh, Yugi Nagasato, um, that was the only goal. Uh, there wasn't a whole bunch of the offense. Audrey Bledsoe was fantastic. Sam Saab was fantastic. It should have been more than one to nothing. Uh, the offense was not there. Shayna Matthews started the game. Uh, again, Mallory Pugh moment Mallory P- Mallory P- Mallory plays on the left. Um, but uh, there there was not, unfortunately, there was not a lot of offense going on. In the games that I've seen Shayna Matthews play, she's more of a defensive slash hold-up forward slash, she's the Connor Doyle of the Washington Spirit, <laughs> but maybe with more speed uh, defensive forward. So that when I saw her out there, I was wondering what the setup was going to look like, and it, it sort of played out to that. It was sort of a it was a cagey game when they were just trying to hit on the counterattack and hope that they could make things work. Um, yeah, unf- unfortunate. They're on a bit of a losing streak here. Yeah, this league is so small. The playoff field is very tiny. It's top four, top four make um, it in, and right now they are. In case you were wondering, they are, I think, five points back of
0: uh, of the. Uh, Seattle or Tacoma Rain? It's Seattle Rain or it's Rain FC, I think. They play in Tacoma, but they're they're Rain. Uh, it's FC. Just Rain
1: FC, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's, it's um, Rain FC. They're they're five points back. They do have a game in hand on the Rain, Uh, but you know we all see you know points in the bank are are better than sometimes than uh than points uh than points you need to play. So uh, and even if the kick, even if the uh, Spirit win their game in hand, they're still two points back. So they still need some other results to go the way. I'm trying to see if they like play each other. So they do play each other on September fourteenth. So that would probably be a game I would circle on your calendar as a
1: potential playoff. Like I'll be there. That, is be that Audi Field? Uh, is it? I'm not sure. It might be. I think it is. Yeah. Let's do the, I'm going to tap dance for a second. Would say yep, September fourteenth. I will be there. Megan Rapino, hopefully, finally nursing her hip injury and <laughs> finally getting her an Achilles heel, getting back on the field. Um, she has not played. She is the last, I believe, of the women's national team players to not come back um granted she's played a lot and she's on the older side so i guess that makes sense but yeah they've got it they've got to kick it into gear they weirdly overachieved in the first half of the season we're in first for a for a, a good chunk of the season uh and then they got all their players back and everybody else got all their players back and then it's sort of they hit, they hit the skids yeah um but, so I
0: mean, they've got so basically what they've got coming up is they got portland thorns a tough game they're now that's a tough yeah, one yeah portland thorns are now top of the table uh, so that's that's not that's not, that's going to be a tough match. If they could figure out a way maybe to get a point
1: out of that game, that would be nice. And then they do have a pretty uh, competitive. the next three are winnable. Yeah, it's Utah, Utah and two yeah. against Orlando or Orlando. Orlando's won three games or two games I think all the season. One of them was against Washington in a game they should have probably won. Uh, the defense was just was woeful. Um, yeah, Utah has actually had I think has has cooled off a little bit. Um, but those two games against Orlando have got to be have got to be wins if you if really want to make a push for the playoffs. Yeah, and then obviously the rain you have to beat the rain
0: at that point. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting close to the season. Hopefully they can, uh, hopefully they can get it done. Uh, Tim, I, I want to take we we did get a question, and I do want to take questions. So, Tim Flesh says, "Give me your honest review of Dave Casper since he joined the DC United front office." Um, I think he's been a pretty solid uh, front office. I don't think you'll find somebody who knows the rules and MLS and how they function better than, than Dave Casper. Um, He used it to his advantage to, to keep a team that had no business being where they were. And he has uh, shown that he has an ability to, to scout and to bring in quality players. Uh, Lucas Rodriguez, Leonardo Hara, you know, even Lucho Costa, as much as we've been bragging on him uh, really sort of lit a fire as far as being a, a a very talented player for a while there, we were relying on like Leonard Pajoy and just pure old workmanship. So um, I, I think he's. I still think he's a good GM. I think he deserves maybe be, maybe to get a coaching search where he has more options other than just Ben Olson and whatever you know, whatever the president of the team team wanted at the time. So,
1: yeah, yeah I mean, look at it. Would be one thing if Dave was able to hire a whole bunch of high dollar guys that were busts because he identified bad players. Not not really what's going on here. He he's been able to make value buys and either. They they pan out and that's usually been the way it goes, or they don't, and it still wasn't that big of a deal. He's been under a budget constrained environment. I think, like Ted says, he uh, he should get he should have an opportunity to oversee what the next what DC looks like next, unless the team is all of a sudden willing to spend a whole bunch more money, like a whole. I mean, they're spending money now. They're not spending Atlanta money. They're not going to spend Atlanta money. But if they wanted to spend more money and they wanted someone that had more connections and more understandings of a broader European market or South American market. As it is today, okay, you, you might want to move. You could move on and probably hire someone else. You're not going to hire someone else that's better in that space and has a better concept of MLS rules and regulations and knows how to make the seven trades necessary for the different kinds of allocation money that had to happen for all these trades uh, that went through on deadline day. All the fifty thousand of GAM to fifty thousand in TAM to (laughs) for for, uh, AM to be named later. All these things. So I I think that's really where I'd put him. I I don't. I don't think he's the culprit here in a lot of ways. um, That that maybe the fans the fans want to see better players, and I understand that, and don't we all? But that really comes down to how much do you want to spend? And he's not Dave Gasper's not writing the checks. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Joel Merchant says what MLS two point fans are more not just LAFC or Atlanta. The answer is Atlanta. (laughs)
1: you're right never mind
0: (laughs) the answer the answer is orlando to that question i'm sorry the answer is always orlando when you talk about obnoxious fans um hope derek isn't listening he probably is knowing him um (laughs) all right uh i guess with that uh i think we're gonna go ahead and wrap up the show Uh, i don't think there's anything else we got Uh, thank you all so much for your questions your calls this was another very very successful show you guys are awesome for calling in. Um, I think we're gonna keep doing this. Um, I think having the number, having the number down here has been my greatest achievement. I think more y'all call in when you see the number that's down there. True. So um, technology. Again, yeah, and then thank you all so so much for listening. Um, yeah, I guess we'll take it out. So uh, we will catch you all next week. Vamos. You yeah, tell them where to find us, man. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you're right. So we got twitter.com slash refugees, facebook.com slash the refugees podcast patreon.com slash rfgpds you want to join the show help us get money to make these streams a little bit better um and yeah uh thank you all again you guys are awesome you guys are the reason we do the show and you guys keep uh keep coming through for us we really appreciate it and uh yeah we'll catch y'all next week vamos vamos